Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. I love coming down here to our, our Logan campus. Normally, I am based at our Mackenzie campus, but it's always such a joy and a privilege to come down and share at our Logan campus. So thank you for having me. Put your hand up if you have made some New Year's resolutions. One, three. Oh, there's more of you like me than I thought. I hate making New Year's resolutions. Why? Because usually by this time of the year, I've failed at them anyway. So if you know you're going to fail, why make them in the first place, right? That's my theory behind it anyway. But at the, at the beginning of each new year, we like to think through or make New Year's resolutions because we want to see change. We want this year to be better than last year was, don't we? Even if we don't actually make those New Year's resolutions. And the beginning of a new year is a good time to press reset. It's a great opportunity to begin afresh to gain new perspective and vision for our lives, which is why our summer series is simply called New. God is the same yesterday, today and forever, but he's always wanting to do a new thing. He's a God of new beginnings. His nature never changes. His love is steadfast. His compassion never, ever runs out. He will be faithful to the end, but he always has something new that he wants to do in our lives to make us more like Jesus. In the Old Testament, God continually gave Israel a new beginning, even though they messed up time and time again. But what he spoke to Israel through the prophet Isaiah, he also wants to say to us at the beginning of this new year, He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Do you hear that this morning, church? The beginning of 2020, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God is always doing a new thing and He's always wanting to do a new thing in you. Do you believe that this morning? Wherever you're at on the journey, God is wanting to do a new thing. And at the beginning of a new year, a new decade even, oh my goodness, that is freaky. Our prayer is that this series will speak hope into your hearts, that what is broken can be made new. And that it will fill us with the faith to step into the new things that God has for us in this new season. And today we're looking at the new name that God gives us. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you do speak hope and life into us. Thank you, God, that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. But you are always wanting to grow us, always wanting to change us to be more like Jesus. God, I pray that you would speak to us by your spirit this morning. That we would leave here changed. That something in us would be stirred up for the new thing that you have for us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Who remembers as a kid the silly poem that 
our parents used to recite to us when there were bullies around. Do you remember it? Say it with me if you remember it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Rubbish, rubbish. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but I can guarantee that names can hurt me and you. We don't want them to, we wanna be strong, but names can really hurt. And yet I find myself as a parent guilty of even saying that poem to my kids, help them be strong. But maybe some of you this morning in this room have been hurt because of some of the names that have been spoken over you. Names can hurt because names have real power. You know, in September, you've probably heard me say, if you've been here for a while, that my daughter Katie had a baby. It's our first grandbaby, a little granddaughter, and it's been an exciting season for us as a family. And I have to say that I love being a grandma. I love babies, I love children, and ever since my kids were teenagers, I made sure they knew that when the time was right and the circumstances was right, I couldn't wait to be a grandma. Now that dream has become a reality, and I'm suddenly feeling too old, too young to be called a grandma. Too young to be called a grandma, it's making me feel old. I'm 48 years old, which I know to some of you in this room probably is old, but I tell you, the real dilemma has begun. What on earth is my name gonna be to my grandchildren? I tell you, this is a really big deal because what I'm called to this first grandchild will stick for future grandchildren and there isn't a granny's name out there that doesn't sound old. Am I right? You know, when we had our first daughter, Jess, my mother-in-law became Granny Lou, but because her name was Louise, but Jess, as she got older, couldn't actually pronounce Granny Lou and it became Lulu, which was a really cute term of endearment until she got old enough at school and we had to start explaining to people why her grandmother was named after a toilet, Lulu. You know, my, my family have called me Shushan for quite some time now. And uh, there's quite the story behind that. But I, I've learned to like it. I don't really mind it. It's a bit of a term of endearment for me. And even my kids' friends find it easier to call me Shushan uh, than Susan. So it's really taken hold. So when I com- contemplated my grandma name, I thought maybe Shushan would be a bit different, a bit hip. You know, for a grandma, maybe I'll go by Shushan. And then I thought, well, Jess, my eldest, sometimes calls me Shushi for short. So I thought, maybe I'll be Shushi. That's kind of cute, right? But as a teacher, I started to realise how long it takes children to pronounce the blends like shh. And I thought, I'm either going to end up being Sushi or Susie. And that didn't work either. At the moment, I'm Granny Shush. Who knows how that will end up once this child actually starts to be able to talk. But I tell you, the problem is real. Names really matter. 
And this will be my forever name. If I'm going to have a new name, I want it to be good. A beautiful term of endearment, a name that invokes real affection in the precious ones that will be using it. And a name that when spoken by my grandchildren will actually make them feel cherished and loved. There's power in a name. There is real power in a name. You know, many times a person's name holds special meaning. And you might be named after a family member or named your children in honour of a loved one. Um, Aurelia, our granddaughter, actually has my middle name, Joy. And tell you, she is really living up to her name. Aurelia means golden and she truly is a golden ray of joy in our family. She's such a happy little thing. But... Names not only have the power to build us up and speak positivity to us, they also have the power to tear us down. Names really can hurt. And King Solomon, even back in his time, knew this. One of his Proverbs, in Proverbs 12, we read, The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Words, names can cut deep and cause real pain, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words matter. Names can shape or misshape someone's reality for years to come. Names can shape our beliefs, drive our behaviour, and ultimately they create our world. Their power arises from the emotional response within us when we speak them or we read them or we hear them spoken to us. And maybe you've been subjected to name-calling that's hurt really deeply and left you emotionally wounded. You know, as young children, our self-esteem is often so fragile and it can be easily damaged by the, the words spoken to us or over us, often by the people that are meant to love us the most. And maybe this morning as an adult, you're carrying the pain of names spoken over you in younger days, or names that you've given yourself, stupid, useless, good for nothing, dumb, ugly. It's actually far too easy to come up with the names that that taunt us and make us feel small and powerless. Or maybe they're labels like addict, single, divorced, unemployed, domestic violence victim, bankrupt, widow. You know, the list is endless of labels and names that spoken over us become wounds, like bruises that when hammered often enough can really stick and cause real physical and emotional pain. Maybe some of you are carrying the pain of these names and labels this morning and they've been what has shaped your identity to this point. Names can really build us up and make us feel cherished, valued and loved or they can hurt us and wound us deeply. There's real power in a name because in our name, we find our identity. You know, names were really important in biblical times. 
Names were very intentional and spoke to a person's identity, often saying something about their character, their situation, or maybe their profession. And here are some examples that I've just pulled out of uh, 1 Samuel. You can read further from them if you like. But Hannah, Hannah means favour or grace. And Hannah in the Old Testament had been infertile. You might know the story. But after being blessed by the priest Eli, she actually received the favour of a baby boy who she named Samuel. And Samuel means God has heard. Samuel's mother had cried out to God for a child and she'd promised to dedicate him back to the temple if God heard her cry and answered her prayers, which she did. You know, my son's, Josiah's middle name is Samuel because he is a boy after three girls, a much prayed for boy. So he also was our little Samuel, God heard my cry. But when Samuel was four, Hannah did indeed dedicate him back to the temple and he became the last of the ruling judges of Israel. And he anointed the first king of Israel, whose name was Saul. Saul means asked for or prayed for because the Israelites had cried out to God for a king to lead them. And Saul was the answer to that prayer. And the list could go on name after name. Their God-given identity was found in their name. And while the significance of names has changed a lot in our society from what they were back in the ancient world, you can still see some of the power that they have. I mean, how many of you like Aurelia are named after a member of your family? Anybody? How many of you were named after a person, a famous person or someone your parents respected? We can see the significance of names in their namesake. You know, alternatively, as a teacher, there were some names that were tainted. Names that I would never use for my children. How many of you know someone named Adolf? What about Judas? Do you know anyone named Judas? Do you know back in the day, Judas was quite a common name. In fact, two of Jesus' disciples were actually named Judas, but one of them portrayed him. And from that time on, the name Judas became tainted. It lost popularity very, very quickly. One man's actions tainted an entire name. There's significance that can go along with names even in our society. And unfortunately, the names that we often listen to or allow to define us are not the names given to us by our parents at birth. They're the names that are spoken over us in spite or anger or jealousy. And we too often find our identity in the names that really do hurt us. And we allow them to shape who we become. Names can hurt. What we wouldn't do to be able to go back and change some of the names that we've been called and have allowed to define us. Guess what? There's good news. Because when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we do receive a new name. When we come into relationship with Jesus, we receive a new name. In His name, we have a new identity. You know, when God works in you, He doesn't just change your name, He changes your life and He gives you His Spirit. 
We have a new name and a new identity in Him. You know, before you became a Christian, your name was your identity. It was the summation of who you are and the reputation that you earned for yourself by how you lived. That name meant that something to the people that knew you, but it was actually all you had. Your identity was found in yourself. You know, when I got married, my name changed to Ellsmore to signify that I was becoming part of a new family. When I had children, I received a new name, a name that everyone knew meant I had offspring. I became known as Mum. Not particularly original, but a privilege nonetheless. And now that I've become a grandma, once again, I will receive a new name, even though we don't really know what that name is just yet. But when I became a follower of Christ at seven years old, at a Billy Graham crusade in 1979, I was given a new name and a new identity, a name with real significance that holds real power. A name that would continue to shape my character and my identity for the rest of my life. You know, this name is a reflection of the transformation that God has made in my life. A new name and a new status. I became known as Christian. You know, the I-A-N on the end of Christian simply means to belong. I now belong to Christ. I'm part of his family. I'm his child and I take on his name. I am a Christ one. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we belong to Him. We're part of His family. And with that, we bear His name. And as His children, we have the right to call Him Father. Romans 8 verse 15 says, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. What a privilege! What a privilege to call him Abba, Father. Abba is such a real personal name, it's like us saying, Daddy. And we get to call God, the God of the universe, Daddy, when we come into his family. You might be able to think back and remember the time that you became part of the family of God. And maybe some of you that's not that long ago and some of you maybe even longer ago than me. But you no longer receive your identity from the things of this world. When you become part of his family, you receive your identity from God. You've been born into life with him and his name is now your name. When you receive Christ as Lord and Saviour, you are given a new identity. When you live for Him, you are given His name and His Spirit. And what a better time to renew and refresh the vision that God has for our lives than at the beginning of a new year, let alone a new decade. 
If you haven't received a new name and a new identity by coming into a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you as you start 2020, keep asking questions, keep coming along to church, sign up to Alpha when it starts later this year because it's a great place to go and have your questions answered, ask anything you like. Because I tell you, this is the best name change that will transform your life. And you'll experience, you know, new things in Him. And your identity will continue to change for the rest of your life as you allow Him to shape you. You know, four times in the Bible, God literally changed someone's name. They were named by one thing and then their name was deliberately changed to something completely different. Now, some of you women might be looking forward to uh, name changes because it means that you've met the love of your life and you're getting married. You're going to take on his name in marriage. It signifies a change in status and in relationship. Or maybe you've contemplated changing your name because you didn't actually like the name that your parents gave you at birth. You know, famous people actually change their names to make them more marketable. Maybe you've considered that as well. But on none of these four occasions in the Bible is the person getting married or expressed any dissatisfaction in their name or they haven't become famous just yet. When a name was changed in the Old and the New Testament, it was a reflection of God's transformation in the life of the person whose name was changed. Now, God was very intentional in changing these four names. And in each of these circumstances, God was speaking to their identity. For each of these people, God wanted to instill in them a new vision for their life, a new role that He had for them to play in His kingdom. And He wants to do the same for us. When we put our faith in Christ, we take on His name. And our name change, in that we can experience the transformation of God at work in our lives to bring new vision and new purpose with our name change, there is new privileges that come from being part of the family of God. See, in His name, we have new family. You know, when I got married and my uh, name changed to Ellsmore, I became part of a new family. Now, I don't broadcast this in too many different places, but my maiden name was Dickens. And that's a really difficult name to start your teaching career with. Let me just put that out there. You know, Jason used to complain that when he was younger, he got teased at school because of his last name. Ellsmore smells more than you do. And his sisters would complain too. And I just thought, are you kidding me? You have no idea. Bring it on. I couldn't wait for the name change, Ellsmore. In fact, when my name had changed and people um, got confused and didn't know how to spell it or remember how to say it, I literally said to them, just remember, Ellsmore smells more than you do. That'll help you remember it. See, like I can say it in front of church and I don't care. I was excited about becoming part of a new family and all that being part of the new family that it entailed including and maybe at the time, especially because of the name change. But the father of many nations, Abraham, he experienced a name change and with it, a new family. 
He was originally known as Abram, which means honoured father. But he had no children of his own. But he was a highly respected father figure amongst his people. When God sent Abram east and promised him that he would be the father of many nations, he changed Abram's name to Abraham, meaning the father of many, even though he had no children at this point. And we read the story in Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully, and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant uh, between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. Man, what a promise, what a covenant to an old man who had no children. In this same way, God changed Sarai, Abram's wife's name, which meant princess, to Sarah, meaning my princess. And this name change signified her elevation to the role as the chosen mother of nations. It was a term of endearment. See, God made a covenant with Abraham and Sarah that they would have a bigger family than they had ever imagined possible. Especially considering the fact that there were no children and they were already very old. You know, with our name change comes a new family. We're part of a bigger family than you might have even imagined possible. When we come into a relationship with Jesus and we call ourselves by our new name, Christian, we become part of a bigger family of God. We become part of the community of believers right around the world that call themselves Christian. Romans 12 verse four says, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. See, being part of a big family has incredible benefits. You know, as you start 2020, are you embracing all that it means to be part of a bigger family and all that God has to offer in that family? You know, when we left our family behind in Sydney 16 years ago and moved to Brisbane, the thing that we still miss the most is family gatherings, being there for each other and sharing life together. Don't miss out on what it means to be part of the family of God and the opportunities to meet together, to do life together with all its ups and downs. You know, make sure you're coming along here weekly to church on a Sunday to be part of the family. Join a life group 
a serving team, men's and women's ministries, opportunities in that space. All of these will help you find your place to belong and thrive as part of the family of God. Now, we don't all have the same function, the same gifts and the same passions, but as me, each member of the family offers what they have. Incredible community is cultivated. The family flourishes and the body is blessed. Make 2020 your year to invest in the family of God. I know that you will be blessed and so will the family. Can I encourage you to fill out the connect card that's in front of you and just tell somebody that you're interested in serving or joining a life group. Or go and see the welcome team in our blue. They would love to connect with you and answer any questions that you might have about what our church, what our church family of Gateway has to offer you. The third person in the Bible whose name God changed was Jacob. And by changing his name, God spoke to Jacob's identity and he redeemed him. He called out the man that he was made to be, not the man that he had been to that point. And as God's children, like Jacob, in his name, we have new promise of redemption as well. You know, Jacob's name means supplanter or holder of heel. And he was given this name because when he was born as a twin, he literally came out holding the heel of his older brother, Esau. And of course, um, if you know the story, he lived up to that name as he got older and by stealing Esau's birthright as the firstborn child. And you can imagine growing up, they had a pretty terrible relationship to the point that Esau actually wanted to kill Jacob. So Jacob fled but um, as, as God challenged him and he began to return to meet with Esau and try to reconcile, he has this amazing encounter in which he wrestles all night with an angel. And when they're done wrestling, wrestling Jacob refuses to let the angel go until he receives a blessing. And we read this story in Genesis 32. The man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? See, the man's not asking him for information here with his question, but actually for a confession. See, Jacob will never know the man that he can become until he acknowledges the man that he has been. And in confessing his name, Jacob is offering himself into the hands of God. He can't deceive and he can't steal his way out of it this time. So he does. Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome See, the angel blesses Jacob with a new name and he will be called Israel, which means having power with God. You know, his new name was symbolic of the covenant between him and God and the assurance that God's promises would be fulfilled. His new name was a promise, both personal and national for redemption. See, Jacob was a deceiver who became a leader 
He was redeemed and given the name of God's chosen people, Israel. You know, Jacob went from being a man who deceived others and stole the birthright of his brother to a man that God redeemed. And he filled with a new power and he called him to be the leader of his people, Israel. And Jacob lived up to his name from that day on. And I tell you, when I read this, there's hope for all of us. If God can redeem a deceiver like Jacob, He can redeem me and He can redeem you. If He can call out the leader in Jacob, He can call out the potential in you. Filled with God's power, your past doesn't have to define your future. You know, the walk from purpose, potential to purpose can sometimes be difficult especially when there's consequences that you've got to face for your actions, just like Jacob did with Esau. But have courage, because in the name of Jesus is the power to break strongholds and bring freedom so that you can step fully into the purposes that God has for your life. What God is wanting, what is God wanting to redeem from your past in order to redefine your future? Maybe it's letting go of some of the labels that I mentioned earlier that you've allowed to define you and shape you. Or maybe you're struggling with bitterness or porn or addiction or anxiety or depression, whatever it is. Make this the year a new beginning, a clear line in the sand, 2020, a year of new beginnings. Jacob was bold. He wrestled with God until he got the change that he wanted. Make this the year that you wrestle with God. Be bold. Find another person to be accountable with until you see breakthrough in your own life. Because in His name, is the power and the courage that we need to overcome. Make this your year to be bold and wrestle with God. Now, perhaps the most significant name change that we see in Scripture is where Jesus himself bestows a new name on Simon. And just like with Simon, in his name, we have new purpose. You know, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And the disciples respond with some of the things that they've heard. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say another prophet. And Jesus turns this question around and he says, well, who do you say that I am? And in one of his best moments, Simon answers him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And the name Simon means he has heard. And Simon does appear indeed to have heard from God because this wasn't something that he heard on the gossip track or from other people. This is something that he received straight from God himself, which we find out in Matthew 16. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You know, as a result of this confession, Jesus gives Simon a new name. He gives Simon the name Peter, 
which means rock, because Peter would become the rock on which Jesus built his church. God wanted to instill a new vision into Peter's life, a new role that he had for him to play for his kingdom. And Peter rose to the challenge. Peter was filled with power and with confidence and he did indeed become the rock on which the church was built. And 2,000 years later, we sit here because Peter was filled with vision and courage to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He was the rock that the church was built on. What's the new purpose that God is calling you to in 2020? You know, like Peter, we have the opportunity to keep building the church. Like Peter, will you rise to the challenge? Will you be a person who uses your words and actions to speak life, to build up, to encourage others, to restore? Will you share the hope and the love of Jesus that you found with the people that you live, work and laugh with? Will you find your place to serve? Will you give generously to all that God is doing? See, in His name is the power and the courage that we need to overcome fear and fulfil our God-given potential. Names are important. They speak strongly to our identity. What name are you allowing to be defined by? Are they the names that do have the power to hurt you like worthless, ugly, fat, imposter, useless, not good enough, victim, addict? Or are you listening to the names that God calls you by? Christ one, beloved, daughter, son, chosen one, forgiven, redeemed, made whole, Enough, worthy, wonderfully made, loved. You know, through my own uh, fragile self-esteem growing up, I've learned over the years to trust the names spoken over me by the one who loves me most, who knit me together in my mother's womb and declares that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, his is the voice that I've learned to listen to and to trust. He knows me fully inside and out and he declares that I am enough just as I am. I'm loved by him. And when others will try and speak words that will hurt me and bring me down, I know that he never will. I trust him. Now, whatever name you go by, whatever names that you've allowed to shape you, good or bad, this morning, like me, you can take hold of the fact that the God of the universe does know you by name. You know, we read in Isaiah 43, but now this is what the Lord says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When Jesus sent out the 72 disciples to heal the sick and tell everyone that the kingdom of God was near, you know, the disciples came back excited and full of faith because of the power of God that they'd experienced working in them and through them and the miracles that they saw happen. And that would be pretty awesome. 
I would be full of faith and completely excited at what God had used me to do. But this is Jesus' response. Listen to Jesus' response in Luke 10. He says, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. God knows you by name. And for all of you who have joined the family of God, you've received a new name and you can rejoice because your name is written in heaven. And this morning, I wanna ask you the question, is your name written in heaven? Are you part of the family of God? Like I said, it will be the best decision that you have ever made, the best name change you will ever receive to come into the family of God and be known as Christ one, Christian, belonging to God. And I just want to give everybody the opportunity this morning to make that decision if you haven't yet. Can I ask you all to close your eyes and to bow your heads because this is between you and God. And maybe the beginning of this new year for you is finding your identity in Christ, receiving a new name that comes from belonging to the family of God, to find the forgiveness and the healing from the hurt and the brokenness, forgiveness from the sin, from what has shaped your identity to this point. If that's you this morning, just where you are, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. If you're saying 2020, the beginning of 2020, I want to start a new relationship with God, a new identity found in Him. Can I ask you right now just to put your hand up wherever you are to declare that you are choosing, choosing to come into the family of God. Thank you, I see those hands. Bless you bless you. It's the best decision that you'll ever make. Thank you. So awesome. Anybody else before we finish? You can put your hands down. So good. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you do indeed call us into a new relationship with you, a new family and all the benefits that come from being part of your family, God. We are your children. Pray this in your heart with me. This morning, Jesus, I I declare that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for me to forgive my sins. And this morning, I accept you as my Lord and Saviour, and I choose to follow you. I choose to be part of your family. I choose to allow you to shape me and shape my identity. I choose to be called Christian, belonging to Christ. And I belong to you now, part of your family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Can we put our hands together and welcome all of those people into the family? Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world.